Colombia city government has looked at climate action. We're going to see what they say and what you can do this week on Renew Guru. podcast world this is renew gurus your look at all things energy policy and politics in missouri and beyond i'm executive director of renew missouri james owen joined as always by our producer matthew patterson well good morning well hey well i guess we shouldn't be time specific but yeah good day. good day yes hello out there whatever day at time of day you're choosing to listen to our fine podcast we are here today in the Renew Missouri studios, and we have a special guest, Alexander Antel. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening. Good morning, and good afternoon, and good evening to you as well. <laughs> now, uh, I have you in here. We've known each other for a while. Um, I think we met when I was public counsel and you were general counsel for the Division of Energy. That's correct. Was that three years ago? About. Seems like it could have been 30. Um, but you're here today in your capacity because you are on, and you just said this, but I, I want to just kind of do a, a truncated version of it. You are on the City of Columbia, Missouri's Climate Action, the Mayor's Climate Action Task Force. That is correct. Is that, the, okay, so that's that's close enough. It is close. We're, we're looking at climate action and adaptation. Adaptation, okay. Now you, uh, okay, so you are on this committee. Yes. Um, one of roughly 15 people. Okay, so I was, yeah, was going to say, like, and I understand because I know that we had conversations with, uh, we have, you know, Columbia, Missouri, just for all of you who might not know out there, we're a town of about 115,000 people, not including students of the University of Missouri, which I think puts it up around 145,000 during the school year. Uh, in addition to having the university here, we got a bunch of hospitals, we got a bunch of insurance companies, we got mortgage companies. All base here, all kind of in the middle of the state. We are kind of, you know, we're on a major interstate, so we're kind of like a hub of sorts. Uh, so we're in, we're growing. This is a growing community. Uh, our mayor, Brian Treese, who was just reelected to a second term, uh, had it as a as an issue in his first term that he wanted to see what Columbia could do about climate change and, and action on that. Now, I mean, was this, I mean, my understanding, Alex, is this is kind of based on like the, the Paris Climate Accord? Is this something that we're kind of, trying to emulate even though the United States isn't doing that or how is that is that connected to this in any way uh, that is correct my, my understanding is the mayor has signed this uh, accord with other US mayors and might be even uh, international mayors okay um, to essentially bring their communities along in in accordance with the Paris climate agreements okay so and I mean we all remember that from I think 2015 when all that was kind of going on I think it got finalized in 2016. United States in 2017 withdrew from it uh, at, the, at uh, the behest of President Trump, but there are a lot of communities around the country and around the world that are still following it. Um, so you, okay, so you got picked to be on this committee. Uh, now you have a little bit of expertise in energy policy um, just because of what you do, but I mean, are there other things, I mean, obviously we're interested in energy and efficiency and that sort of thing, but are there other things that this task force looked at? Yes. Um, so, as you said, we definitely looked at uh, where Columbia gets its energy from and how that needs to change. We also looked at um, the transportation sector, uh, housing, building sector. Um, we also looked at natural resources, uh, waste management, 
and then kind of more on the adaptation side, we looked at the natural, res the natural resources we have here in our community, uh, uh, water, mm -hmm. um, land area, right. on ways how to help mitigate climate change. Yeah. So did you have a particular focus with this, or did you kind of try to look at all of this stuff? Um, I think everyone in the task force really was engaged on all fronts. Okay. However, we did break up into like subcommittees. I was a member of the energy subcommittee ah. and also uh, was the, um, I guess you'd say, the subcommittee chair for the built environments, which mm. included both housing and the transportation sector. Right. Okay, because one thing I've noticed, I mean, I've been in Columbia for like uh, a little over four years now. I don't know how long you've lived here. How long have you lived uh, here? About the same time. It's uh, been a little over four years. Okay. So one thing I've noticed, I, I came right from Springfield, Missouri, which is where Matthew Patterson is also from, which is a very sprawling. <laughs> it's growing, but it's also very sprawling. And some might say a little unwieldy. And I mean, like one thing I've noticed in Columbia is it seems like there's a lot of sprawl here, too. That's my opinion. That's not Alexander Antel's opinion necessarily. But I mean, is that something you were looking at? Is how we zone here, how we like control that growth, or was that part of what you looked at? Um, I don't think we made any very specific recommendations right. about zoning regulations. Okay. However, it was something that came up in subcommittee meetings mm -hmm. that uh, you know the more dispersed our community becomes, the more spread out, mm -hmm. uh, the more. You know, mile, vehicle miles traveled that they're going to be right. in the community, the you know, the more resources, uh, the more fuel the city's going to have to use to bring yeah. resources uh, to uh, Colombians. So, you know, there are some uh, very high level recommendations about maybe looking at density yeah. in the city. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, because it seems like that's a challenge for a lot of growing communities, especially in areas where you got a lot of space. I mean, one thing that always stuck out to me when I was involved with Springfield government was. Somebody, well, actually, this might have been, Matthew, in our environmental ethics class at Drury University, where someone said that Springfield Square miles were the same as San Francisco and Seattle, which are much bigger, denser cities, but because you have an ocean on one side and mountains on the other, they couldn't grow out. Here in Missouri, we got nothing but space. <laughs> and so you got a lot of space between Columbia and Ashland. You've got a lot of space north of town east of town maybe not so much west of town because you get the missouri river uh which is kind of a buffer but there's a lot of places to expand out there is yeah so okay i think that's something that we were conscientious about right uh, when we were having our discussion that if you made too many mandates um too many regulations on people right and what they could do it's really easy just to go outside the city limits. Sure, because I mean there are like a lot of opportunities for that, and a lot of people you see that happen a lot. And you know even with Columbia, people say, "Well, I don't like what you're doing, so I want to move." You hear that a lot. Sure. Um, you know it happens. So, but as far as specifics, I mean like one thing that I think really sticks out, and I think that has been promoted because I'm looking at the front page of this, <laughs> and 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 some of the big things that you're talking about here is, okay, so on emission reduction. I mean, for the community, you've got goals set. These are your recommendations to city council. You're having public input on this now. We'll get to that in a second. You have community emissions are going to be, they're supposed to be, uh, now, are we basing community emissions, these percentages, on a certain year? Or yes. I believe the year that we, our baseline year is 2015. I know some other communities have used 2010. However, uh, city staff believe that the 2015 uh, emissions 
uh, report that they have is more thorough. Okay. Uh, and would be a better baseline for, for Columbia. Okay, so we have more recent data than some other communities are using for that. Like 2015 versus 2010. Our, our 2015 information is better than our 2010. Okay, okay, well that's, okay, Fair. I, I get what you mean. So using that 2015 number, you're talking about a reduction of 35% by 2035, 80% by 2050, and 100% by 2060. Now, with, with municipal emissions, I mean, I assume this is the operations of the government, right? That is correct. Uh, you're talking about 50% by 2035, and 100% by 20. 50. Okay. That's, that's right. We really uh, felt that it was important for the city to be a leader yeah. uh, on this. And I, I think uh, city staff definitely believes in that also. Uh, so that's why we set different uh, emissions reduction goals for the municipal operations as opposed to the overall community. Right. Because 2050 is a number I see a lot. I see it with New Mexico. I see it with like even Puerto Rico. We had PJ Wilson on here, our former director who was instrumental in Puerto Rico's renewable energy uh, mandate. What is, why 2050? Why is that such a magical number with this stuff? I think that really came out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Okay. That, um, you know, the target to stay below, you know, 2% or two degrees warming, uh, it had to be, and I guess this was based off you know, global averages, but an 80% reduction by 2050. By 2050, okay. So, so that's what a lot of communities have latched onto. And I mean, even like if I'm remember correctly, I've been to a couple of things where I've heard Ameren, Missouri, which is our state's largest investor-owned utility, they have set a goal for emissions reduction of 80% by 2050. So that's where we think that that's where that number comes from, or that's like where at least that's, that's a common use of it. That's the common use of it, and yes, uh, I believe in Ameren in their last uh, integrated resource plan uh, made that commitment. Their IRP, as all of us in the biz call it. Uh, yes. So, so when, when like those, so, so okay, if 2050, this 80%, then why? So, where did the 100% by 2060 come from? Uh, there was definitely a um, str strong group of people on the committee that felt that uh, we were um, directed by city council uh, in right. a resolution creating our task force to really push the envelope. Mm -hmm. and right. we felt that you know that uh, we needed to go an extra step uh, as I said that Paris climate Agree agreement the 80 by 50 is really I think was based off every country uh, buying in yeah and as since that is not the case uh, anymore um, or if it ever was that we needed to go an extra step right and that's why we felt that we needed to make a carbon neutral goal and we thought an additional 10 years for the community was reasonable okay i mean because i mean let's let's be straight here i mean it takes a lot of capital investment to do this sort of thing is that safe to say it is yes yeah. it's going to take money uh this the plan that we are uh that's out there for people to review uh and that city council will be taking up um uh later this summer uh doesn't go in great depth into right. how to fund all of these measures. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I mean, it's something that we all recognize that there is going to have to be both public and private funding to get us to these goals. Right. Okay. Because I mean, some of the stuff you talk about is you, I mean, because I was looking at some of your energy recommendations. I mean, you've got goals in here. Um, I would encourage all of you to, you know, we'll send this link out with the podcast, but if you go to como.gov, slash sustainability you can find the link to this um and there's some other things on there too we're going to talk about in a minute 
We can talk about uh, community solar programs uh, for the city of Columbia. Now, community solar <laughs> it tends to get used in a lot of different contexts uh, in different ways. Now, is this where you have a subscription program, or is this where you have like smaller solar facilities out there that can like have uh, certain you know like just service certain residential areas? I mean, what what do you mean when you say community solar here? I think the consensus. Of, of the group uh, was really focusing towards maybe a larger uh, solar site that people yeah. would subscribe to. Okay. It would be managed by Water and Light. Right. Or it's got right. behalf. Yeah, because I mean, okay. Um, and because I know that Amron, Missouri just had a pretty successful rollout with their, I call it solar subscription, they call it community solar. KCPNL is about ready to, you know, they've got a waiting list, but they've kind of started the paperwork on that. That was something they did in their last rate case. And so now the city of Columbia, this task force, is saying we should do this as well. Um, and then you also say that new commercial buildings should be solar ready. I believe that's that in here. That is correct. I believe our current uh, building code states that new residential homes need to be solar ready, um, but that has not gotten into the resident or the commercial code right. yet. And that, I mean, think that uh, needs to be in there as well. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, basically, we're talking about the way the roof faces the south or the west. Uh, I mean, what are the, I mean, that's like the most obvious thing. I mean, what are some of the other things that that is entail? Like when someone says like, well, is my house going to be able to be uh, able to put up solar installation, like rooftop solar? I mean, what does that, what does that do? I mean, what are you anticipating with this? Sure. Um, I think some of the other things, there may be some slight electrical uh, uh, mm -hmm. um, wiring uh, right. things that could be done to make it more uh more easy if that's probably not the best way to put it yeah. to make it easier <laughs> to make it easier yeah. uh, to for people to put solar on as opposed to retrofitting uh your roof yeah for that solar installation right okay yeah okay we all know that it's easier to do things up front yes when the, before the drywalls up than it <laughs> yeah. is after the drywalls that's true yeah yeah i mean and it also i mean like let's also point out that is good for contractors, people who like build homes. I mean, this is another component of that, which is, you know, going to help them with their business. So, I mean, uh, you know, that's something that, I mean, obviously is going to have to be embraced sort of by some of the people in the community that do that for a living. But, um, you know, that's, that's time will tell. Uh, now you also talk a little bit about investing in local, um, local uh, renewable sources. Now um, I know that Columbia has a fair amount. You've got, big solar farm east of town that's gone through planning and zoning. You've got uh, proposals out there for another solar farm that I know is kind of active right now. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, as far as, like, okay, let's say, I mean, one of the most common ways that big customers get renewable energy, let's just be honest, is wind. Um, and wind, uh, you might have heard, is controversial around here right now. <laughs> Are you familiar with this controversy, Mr. Anton? I am uh, familiar with through the <coughs> through the news, local yeah. news, that yeah. there is some controversy uh, around wind. Yeah, so, in our community. Yeah, so I mean, so like I mean, ultimately, you know, you have this issue where you have to balance people's, you know, a lot of there's a lot of, I mean, like, look, let's be honest. I mean, my opinion is there's a lot of misinformation out there, and a lot of intentionally uh, misleading information out there about wind farm. That's New Missouri's position. But I mean, ultimately, there's a lot of people who say they don't want this in their backyard. They don't want this nearby. I mean, 
You know, and they might even say, like, well, great, City of Columbia wants all this, but, like, what's my benefit to this? Um, you know, I have to look at these things every day. I mean, so how, how does, I mean, so, I mean, it's obviously a delicate balance with how the city has to look at that because you're not going to be able to build a lot of wind farms in the city limits. It's true. It's all going to be outside, right? Outside of the city limits. I mean, so how, I mean, so, I mean, was there any discussion about, like, where, if you're talking about this being local, about how to mitigate those people's concerns? Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, you know, these recommendations, as I said, we've been working on this for about a year and a half. And oh, I should have asked, like, how long has this been going on? I'm glad you mentioned that. It's been, uh, we've been at this for about a year and a half, uh, trying to gain uh, a lot of, you know, stakeholder uh, input, community input. Um, and so a lot of these recommendations that drafted before even some of the more recent uh, controversies yeah. have have come up in the local press. Right. Um, so I think it is important that we educate the community uh, about the pros and cons of different energy sources. Right. And, you know, local can be meant very extremely local. Yeah. Or it can mean, you know, that we're not, you know, we're not bringing in energy from out of state. Right. So you have to be like Missouri specific and not just like Boone County. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think we, we have uh, an expansive view of what local means. Yeah, because another thing that a lot of people like when they talk about specific utilities like Columbia Water and Light or they talk about Ameren or they talk about Kansas City Power and Light, I mean, the other thing that's really important to remember is all these outfits are part of larger regional marketplaces. I mean, I know that's something that you've dealt with a lot in your professional career. I mean, so there's also like, you know, Columbia buys a lot of their power. We do. We don't own a lot of our own generation. We buy a lot of it. Um, so we have a lot of, you know, long-term contracts yeah and you know so and that's something that we have to work around uh, right that, that uh, i was not personally aware of as a columbia resident that we do have uh, a few long-term coal contracts uh, yeah that's that are a constraint mm-hmm. to us going 100 percent renewable because those contracts are still in place that is right correct. And so, like, and I even, you know, in our job, we talk to city council members and we talk to people at staff and even people who are, like, really wanting to start moving more forward with these kind of initiatives are still legally restrained in these contracts. And so that's a challenge. It is. And, I mean, you know, and I also know that a lot of people might look at these numbers and, oh, my goodness, I have talked to them who say, this is not nearly aggressive enough. This is taking too long. We'll all be dead by then. I mean, I'm paraphrasing them. Uh, but, I mean, ultimately, if you were to go 100% renewable, like, today, if that was even feasible, you would be, like, subjecting yourself to lawsuits. We would. There would be a lot of lawsuits. Um, well, at least several lawsuits. Right. Uh, if we, you know, made that switch yeah. um, today. Which I think is also an important thing for people to remember is, you know, one of the trickier things about utility policy and energy policy is... This is always like looking long term. I mean, you mentioned an IRP, probably. You mentioned the IRP, the Integrated Resource Plan. That is looking down the road 20 years. That's usually. right. Yeah. And I guess one uh, silver lining or uh, uh, positive thing that I can say about you know the, the electrical planning process is um, you may be aware that Columbia also has a electrical integrated resource planning process mm-hmm. going on right now. There is a task force for that too, or like a there, subcommittee, right? There's a committee for that. Right. And they have been charged to take the recommendations from our task force right. uh, and um, use them in their IRP process. Okay. So, you know, one of our recommendations is that the city go 100% renewable. Right. 
so it would be, um, I would think that in their planning process that they will build that into their modeling. When yeah. you look out 20 years, right, these are the paths we can take to get to 100% renewable energy in our community over that time frame. So there's been coordination with those committees? With there that is. Other committee. We have a couple members of our task force who are also sitting oh, on that committee. Oh, I see. Okay. So okay. Yeah, things won't fall through the gaps. Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, like some of these goals are going to be, you know, expected to occur within that 20-year period. I mean, you're talking about 2019, 2020, 2035 is going to be here in 15 years. So, I mean, that's got to be factored in. Um, I mean, with these coal contracts, I mean, I think that this is frustrating for some policymakers. This is frustrating for... Uh, staff members, I mean, these were entered into like in the mid, early to mid 2000s, like the aughts, as we call them. I think, is that what we call them? I don't know. I, I call them the zeros. But like those are still, those are still in place. And that was back in a time when we weren't entirely sure how evolved renewable energy was going to be at this point. There was a lot of uncertainty even 10 years ago about, yeah, the, uh, you know, how, what role, you know, wind and solar were going to play in our energy. I feel like three years ago, there was still a lot of debate about what this was going to look like. Maybe that was my job. <laughs> Maybe I had debate about it. But, I mean, obviously, I think that there's been a lot of people who have come around to this. Even really conservative uh, policymakers see benefit to this, um, which is new, relatively new. So, in addition to these renewable aspects, and there's also, you talked about buildings and all this. I mean, there's going to be an energy efficiency aspect to this, too, right? There is. As, as you know... Um you know, the cheapest energy is the energy you don't use. Amen. So, um, <laughs> in our recommendations, we, we definitely think that there needs to be more. While we have a really good energy efficiency uh, program at Water and Light, it's a, an award-winning program, you know, we, it needs to go even farther. We yeah. Push the envelope there, get more homes uh, weatherized and more efficient yeah. in how they use energy. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, obviously, and I mean, and one thing that I know is a challenge for municipalities is like, like right now in the state of Missouri, there is a statute that gives investor-owned utilities an incentive to do energy efficiency. They get a rate of return on certain projects, and I mean, that's something that goes through the Public Service Commission. It gets heavily scrutinized. Um, municipalities don't really necessarily have that kind of incentive. I mean, they're spending this money on these programs, and in theory, they're receiving less money. So, I mean, so what, I mean, so what are some of the things, I mean, are there ways to address that? I mean, if you're producing less power, you're, in theory, using less energy, which means you're using less, you're, you're spending less money. So, I mean, what, what is this task force contemplated as far as that goes? Well, um, you know, as far as uh, legislation, state legislation um, on energy efficiency, it's not something that, that came up in our, our conversations too much. Right. Uh, however, um, you know, you do bring up a point, while... You know, water and light is not uh, an investor-owned utility. They don't have shareholders, or its shareholders are its, you know, the, right. its constituents. Not in the private sense of shareholders. Exactly. Right. They do have to be concerned about, you know, recovering their cost of service. Right. And every uh, kilowatt hour that isn't sold is, you know, puts upward rate pressure on, right. on the community. Yeah. Uh, so and I think kind of a counterbalance to that is another part of, of the plan that we've talked about is beneficial electrification. Yeah. And so we've, you know, we've discussed in our plan, we have recommendations about um, providing uh, electric vehicle infrastructure in the community. Mm -hmm. So uh, that would be another place where 
you know, the utility could potentially um, sell more kilowatt hours right. of electricity, but it would reduce our community's greenhouse <laughs> gases because, yeah. as you're probably aware, um, the even at today's fuel mix, our electrical fuel mix, we have we would see fewer uh, greenhouse gas emissions yeah. from electric vehicles as opposed to your traditional internal combustion engine. We pump a lot of gas into the air when we drive our cars. We do. And you know, and I know a lot of people talk about that Columbia, compared to a lot of communities in Missouri, have you know a fair amount of EV charging stations, but this plan contemplates having more. Uh, yes, we may. I mean, we have a recommendation that you know the city needs to maybe look at it even more. Um, ah, okay. So, and, but also one thing I'm interested in. You also talk a little bit about uh, this concept that we haven't really talked about much on this podcast, but we talk about a lot. It's called pay as you save, which is a, basically a bill. It's it's put into the bill, and it basically for, and, and this works a lot for low income residents or people who own apartments. You can do these energy efficiency modifications and uh, they have to bring your bill down even even though you're paying the utility back and ultimately the bill's got to be lower even with that payback and then the utility can make some money off of financing that. It's controversial. Uh, utility companies have a lot of reluctance to it because it's kind of outside of their typical model but that's something that's mentioned in your report. It's yes. another source of revenue potentially. Yes, uh, we do talk about uh energy efficiency and solar financing in the yeah. reports. Now, uh, we already, uh, Water and Lights, Columbia Water and Light already has on-bill financing. Yeah, right. As, as part of their efficiency and, and solar programs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously not everyone in the community is signing up. Yeah. So we really think the way I look at this plan is it's a menu of options. Yeah. For the community to get to its overall emissions reduction goals, mm -hmm. so we really need to explore every financing option right. that's out there because it's there isn't a one size fits all uh, financing option for yeah. every Colombian. Everybody's coming from this uh, from a different place. Whether you're a homeowner, whether you're right. a renter, um, there's got to be a, a menu of options for people to get. Yeah. So they can buy into the, the, the goals in this plan. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people don't even think about this intuitively, but when you're talking about uh, energy efficiency, you're talking about demand side response work. I mean, every customer is a little different. I mean, you've got people who live in apartments. You've got people who live in houses. You've got small businesses. Uh, you've got large-scale industrial um, factories. All of those people consume electricity and gas and all these other things in a very different way. I should point out gas is not uh, covered by the city here. That's Ameren Gas. Uh, that's an investor-owned utility. But, I mean, like, so you ought to design all this stuff. It's going to be different for different classes of people. So that's a challenge, too, especially when you're talking about energy efficiency. It is, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's not a one-size-fits-all proposition. Right. Um, you know, as uh, a college town, yeah. we have a larger portion of our houses are rental properties. That's, and that's true. a harder nut to crack right. because the landlord doesn't necessarily always have the incentive yeah. to make their units He's not paying more the utility bill or she. They're not. The landlords are they're not necessarily paying the utility bill. It's the tenants, and therefore there is the split incentive. That's something I think uh, we need to look at more as a community so we can get more of those rental properties yeah. uh, uh, you know, up to snuff.
Yeah, because the other challenge is ultimately those people who are renting also don't have as much income, and so therefore, if they're not, if their landlords aren't investing in making the uh, structure or the residence more uh, efficient, then ultimately they're going to have to be paying more. So it's just kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a it's a, a, kind of a bad cycle. There. It is. It is. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I mean, that's all out there. I mean, you also talk a little bit about uh, you know, smart meters, AMI stuff. I mean, that kind of helps. The utility uh, gauge, how people are using it, it lets people be a little more in control over that. I mean, what? I mean, do we not have? I mean, does is, does Columbia have smart meters right now? Does it have AMI? How? What do you? What's your understanding of that investment? Uh, I'm not entirely sure if okay. uh, Columbia Water and Light has deployed AMI anywhere yeah. in the service territory. I, I believe that recommendation actually came from a Water and Light um, staff person. Yeah. So, which is something that you know we did throughout the process is get feedback from city staff, from multiple departments that will be affected by these changes because it really needs to be embraced by every city department if this is going to be successful. Yeah. And um, in, in many parts of our life, the more data we have, the more responsive we can be. Mm -hmm. So right. it, it will information be, is very powerful. Information is very powerful and we can, we can manage our electrical system better if we have more data about how people are using energy throughout the community throughout the day right so i mean you know obviously you've been working on this for a year and a half um what's the next step this is out there this was put out here a couple weeks ago uh what what happens now so as you said we um revealed or uh, debuted the draft uh climate action plan on Earth Day, a couple, ah, couple weeks ago. Good timing. Yes. And <laughs> so it's out there for community review. We've had a couple community surveys in the past. Yeah. But this is kind of the last push. Right. Um, now that we have a relatively finished product. Yeah. And so we need people to review the plan. Right. Take our survey. Ah. Uh, so we can have a good, uh, some more data to show city council we're going to bring this uh, to their uh, attention at their uh, May 17th, I believe, uh, city council meeting. And then hopefully they'll be voting to approve the plan uh, in June. Yeah. So we need a lot of people to go to comoclimateaction.com oh, okay. to review the plan right. and take the survey. When do they have to do that survey by? Uh, May 10th. May 10th, okay. So we've got uh, yeah, a little over uh, a week we're gonna have about ish do uh, it now folks this is yeah. the the earlier the better right uh so you know, really need people to go to comoclimateaction.com review the plan and take the survey and i mean there's other things i mean are there other things they can do are they are we trying to encourage them to get the word out to other people in the community yes by all means uh people uh, after they take the survey if they want yeah. to forward it to their friends and family in the community um the, the more people we have uh, respond, the stronger I think the yeah. final look uh, before city council. Right. So, and you know, we we need everybody to respond to it. This isn't a foregone conclusion. Right. That city council is going to approve this plan. Right. I mean, so, I imagine there's going to be some resistance to some of this. There is. We we we've got some uh, preliminary uh, feedback from the the plan that's been out for, like I said, a little over uh, two weeks. And there are some mixed reviews of the plan. Mm -hmm. Some people uh, who have responded don't believe 
that climate change is something that the city should be concerned about. Right. Other people think that it's going to cost too much money. Right. Um, so, for your viewers, uh, listeners, yeah. uh, who I know are passionate about renewable energy and energy efficiency. Except for the haters out there. I know who you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just can very beneficial to the, the task force if they would uh, review the plan, yeah, provide yeah. their feedback uh, in, uh, via the survey. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, obviously this input is important to your work. It's important to what the city council is going to be considering. So that you, you're saying this is not just going to be shelved away. Uh, I mean, their, their comments. No, yes. Well, city staff and the task force are very interested in the comments that we receive yeah. uh, from all of the surveys that we've done. And they've been a critical part of the development of the uh, of the plan. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I consider this a menu of options. Sure. It's been uh, an inclusive process. Right. Um, so we want to make sh we haven't really eliminated uh, any ideas. Sure. Because it's going to take a lot of ideas to get to our goals. Right. Um, so I I may not personally agree with every recommendation right. or every uh, action in the plan, but I know that. We need to have a plan so we can get started on tackling these goals. But this was a collaborative effort. You had 15 people. I mean, you think this was a good? You think this was a good system? It was a good process. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're trying to get feedback from people, uh, it can be tedious. Um, yes. But you know, I think it was managed well. You know, we had two community workshops where people, the general uh, public, could come in and give us feedback, and we. Really took that that feedback to heart. Yeah, we've had um, what two uh, at least two sur community survey sur online surveys now. Right uh, to get people who couldn't make it to the workshops, and you know we've had city staff uh, input from multiple departments. Yeah, so it really has been an inclusive wow process. This is exhaustive and exhausting. I imagine we've had a lot, <laughs> a lot of meetings, a lot of subcommittee meetings. Yeah, wow, uh, to make sure that everyone has had a chance to provide their input and uh, so we can vet these things. So all the bases were covered? I believe so. Every stone was over, un, unearthed and unturned? It, uh, I believe so. How, you know, the, you know. I'm sure that there will be some people who are not uh, completely satisfied with the level of detail sure, yeah. in the plan. Uh, you have to, but I think you have to uh, realize that when you're covering something so expansive, right. And you're doing it primarily with people who are volunteering their own time. <laughs> yeah. You didn't get paid for this? I didn't, no, I didn't receive any compensation. For okay. Uh, Holy cow. <laughs> that you can't go super deep. You can't figure yeah. out, you know, you know, create a spreadsheet of what this is going to cost. Right, right. Um, but, you know, I think it's a good first step. Yeah. And you have to have, you have to start someplace. Sounds like the city's in good hands. Um, I mean, anything else, uh, since we're wrapping up here, that you want to plug? Um, Bands uh, that you like? Or, you know. <laughs> no, uh, just encourage people, again, to go to comoclimateaction.com, review the plan, take the survey, and then share it with all your friends and family. Okay. Um, That's and a call if, to action. And then if you're, if you're so inclined to come to city council oh, yeah. uh, in May or June when we're on the agenda. Is that uh, May 22nd? Let me look at this up. It's something like that. Oh my goodness! I should I should do I should do prep for this. <laughs> I feel like 
it like that's when you're oh may, okay no that was last year uh no may 20th there's gonna be a work session with council yes may 20th sorry uh so may 20th and then the plan to city council for adoption that's gonna be june 17th that's what's on the website that's right okay may 20th and june 17th are the two days that we'll be uh presenting the plan to city council and uh probably more the the june date um have be great to have people uh there in support of the Alex, you're a real mensch for being on this task force and for coming in here to talk to us. So thank you for your time and thank you to our listeners uh, for tuning in. Uh, we want to know that if you like what you're hearing here, share this on your social media platforms. Subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes. Write a good review. Don't write bad reviews. We don't want to see those. And uh, be sure to um, yeah pass this along. That's how we get more subscribers. That's how we get more hits. And we want to thank you all for your support of Renew Missouri. And until next time, Seacrest out. Yeah.